Brendan? Emily? I really screwed up. Screwed up how? The brick. What? I, I didn't know it was bad, but the pin's on it now. You gotta help me. Slow down now. This isn't good. No. Emily said words I didn't know. Tell me if they catch. Brick? No. Tug? Tug might be a drink. Like milk and vodka. Pin? You know the kingpin. Dope, bro. Right? Big time. What are you gonna do? She asked for my help. I just wanna know if she's okay. So what's first? I'm gonna start shaking things up. So you didn't know this boy? No, sir. Never seen him. And he just hit you. He asked for my lunch money first. Good thing I brown bagged it. You're coming into a certain situation. It's twisted. I'm looking for Emily. You left her? Yeah, I did. You better be sure you want to know what you want to know. Complicated. Everyone's got their thing. In the upper crust of Shady D's, they've got symbols so they can tell each other about we're getting around. Coffee and pie. Coffee and pie? Oh my. Keep up with me now. Get a cigarette? I don't smoke. I've seen you smoke. I don't smoke cigarettes. I thought we had orange juice. I'm sorry. Water's fine, ma'am. Thanks. Oh, wait a minute. We have apple juice. It's country style. If I get to the bottom, whatever this is. What do you want? Just to see you sweat. It's too hot. You got a discipline issue with me? Write me up or suspend me. I see that you're trying to help her. And I don't know anybody who would do that for me. You are dangerous. I set out to know put her on the spot. And put her in front of the gun. There's not much chance of coming out clean. Indeed, I, I, I think know. it's uh, it's pretty funny reading. that it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny that the one time uh, there's a adult in that movie that's a parent, it's the twenty six year olds, uh, <laughs> it's the kingpin's mom. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the villain's mom who is very hospitable. Yes. Yeah, she's is, uh, kind of the best yeah. part, really. I think she she deserved to have a bigger role, much bigger arc. You know, backstory, how she became yes. the mother of a kingpin. Did she know that her son was the kingpin? Like, does she know what's going on in the basement? That's a big ass basement, too. Anyway, this is movie night extravaganza. We are here at a later time than usual. Um, you know, hanging out, uh, talking like Humphrey Bogart, apparently, and, uh, you know, getting ready to sell some heroin. I am Forrest Miller. Um, I am joined, as always, by J. Andrew World. Artist, illustrator, and most likely de noir. Yes. Um, yeah, I, uh, this was fun. I've, I've never seen this movie before. Uh, oh. Completely missed it. So this was this was an adventure. It was indeed an adventure. I haven't seen it before. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Forrest, okay. you have no excuse. This was our, uh, I had like small, small, tiny children. He was a yeah, small, tiny might... children when this came out. True, true. <laughs> 2005, I mean, I was uh, 11, I think. I could have seen this. So so maybe. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, it is rated R, I guess. But um, 
Yeah, I don't we'll know. We'll get our finest fact checkers on that. We'll we'll get it back <laughs> yeah. to the audience. Come on, I saw I saw Robocop when I was ten. What are you talking about? Actually, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, joined also by Conan Neutron, host of Britonic Reversal, uh, lead of Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Um, you got Caterball coming up. Plug up, plug away on that. It's uh, yeah, four day music festival in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Starts Friday. Uh, Fifty bands. You know, we're playing. Lots of other bands are playing uh catterwall.org saturday's almost sold out which is our night coincidence that's not because of me but <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh yeah it's gonna be a great time so oh and also uh we made a cat uh, catterwall youtube channel so if we get to 100 subscribers by friday we're gonna live stream stuff from it yeah and it but should be in like the 52, uh I think. it yeah. should be it should be in the show notes um you know, underneath the, the thing. So if, if anybody, you know, if anybody sees that and goes underneath it, uh, you know, definitely, definitely subscribe and get Conan to a hundred or, you know, Caterwall, not get just Caterwall Conan, to it. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Brick, you know, I saw this movie when it came out in the theater, loved it. Thought it was fantastic. I am a big Ryan Johnson fan. I think all his movies are interesting. I think this one is no exception. I was the one that kind of pushed for it for Noir Month. And one of the reasons why is because it's placement, just like I pushed for LA Confidential in that, in that same way, which is a very different kind of movie, right? And I think that, uh, as we all know, because I say it almost every episode, I don't really like getting into the noir and neo-noir conversation, but this is absolutely a quintessential neo-noir, but it's yeah. important. So the uh, evolution of the form and, and the fact that like part of the form uh, of this movie is self-referential towards the genre in earlier films. So anyway, looking forward to getting into all that. And I'm glad Aaron didn't hate it as much as the last few times he saw it. <laughs> and that that brings me to Aaron and Carly of Hit Factory. Uh, you know, a 90s podcast that uh, talks about film, politics, ideology um, of that of the whole 90s, that decade, which is kind of funny that, you know, you didn't come for L.A. Confidential uh, because that was we, we discussed the 90s kind of throughout that entire conversation. That was our last episode. But, oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we've done that one on the program before. It was a really good conversation. You can go and check it out with uh, one of our uh, good friends, Jesse Hawken, who is a podcaster himself. Check out Junk Filter as well. I'll, I'll plug him here. Uh, but, uh, you know, we actually really enjoy talking about movies that aren't from the 1990s when we go yes. on other people's shows. <laughs> it's like such a true. We spend so much time in that decade and I realize, you know, like. Uh, I, I've never been a big like letterbox person and just started tracking like this year because I was like, I'm going to watch a lot of like new to me stuff and uh, make sure that I like keep in a diary entry so I can remember what I saw and, and look back at it. Oh, yeah. uh, and I realized that like for a little bit, it was like for the show, you know, we're watching at least like one nineties movie a week and then maybe like an additional one or two for like research purposes. Um, so getting into the aughts is fun too. Cause it's like when I was, at like the peak of my cinematic discovery as well. And and like when I came to Brick, you know, I I always think of Ryan Johnson as like a uh a, like a, a film student's filmmaker and not like in a in a derogatory or pejorative way, just that like he I think engenders a lot of like uh a lot of good feelings, a lot of goodwill, a lot of like imagination on behalf of people who are working with like minor budgets and and getting kids and and people who are like new to the actual like kind of, you know, nuances of filmmaking into like thinking about how one would construct a film. Um, yeah, Carly, you talk now for a little bit. <laughs> this is my first time seeing this movie. The only 
uh, other experience I had with it was in a conversation a few days prior to watching it where Aaron told me how much he disliked it. And I was like, cool, <laughs> excited, can't wait. Um, and he, when he was describing it to me, he had said like, you know, there's a lot of like really great noir script writing, but yeah. it's coming out of the mouths of teenagers. And I was like, oh God, that sounds insufferable. <laughs> and then we watched it and I was like, holy shit, I loved that pretty good um yeah. so yeah. i'm excited to talk about this because i th i was very surprised by this movie um especially when i was thinking about the premise and i was like this just sounds this sounds um this sounds a little bit repellent to me but it was anything but that <laughs> and and i will say as as andy alluded to i think it was andy uh we watched it this time this was i think the third time i've i've seen it the first time was like when it came out i uh was like working retail at like a best buy and like picked it up on dvd when it came out because i had heard good things coming out of like sundance uh and i think i was like you know just at the age where i felt like it was overwrought a little impenetrable i didn't quite get what it was doing didn't have a ton of familiarity with classic noir uh had never heard the name dashiell hammett i think until like maybe like a year later in in like a lit class um and then i watched it again like in my mid to like late 20s and i think was just like too embittered and cynical at that point and like this still fucking sucks this is stupid i get it now but i also think it's silly uh and then i like i i, I watched it you know the other night and i i told carly i was like i'm as astounded as anybody to relay that uh i think it kind of worked for me this time i actually thought it was like pretty pretty fucking good it's it's fun like it, it overcomes a lot of the obstacles it kind of sets for itself and uh is really really entertaining just like a good noir mystery hats off to conan and the movie night extravaganza crew for bringing us a film that uh we both loved and that also um you moved aaron on which is tough to do that's right that's i'm very right. rigid it kind rigid. of it's kind of shot in like the a24 style right like the a24 like kind of uh like you know like the the lighting when he's talking on the phone or whatever in that phone booth like yeah. there's a lot of that yeah, a lot of natural lighting yeah okay so, before we before we get into that can i just say that when i did see this in a theater where i saw it was the parkway in oakland where i lived for 22 years i think y'all are yeah, Bay Area. hey yeah. we know the parkway we love the parkway yeah, yeah. At the old and parkway. I used to live like two to like a block uh, and a half from it. Uh, and the oh, new wow. parkway. The new yeah, parkway the new is parkway. also great, but that's yeah. not where I saw this. Oh, that's an uh, awesome the the old parkway is an awesome theater to see a movie like this at. And I'm only bringing it up because you're Bay Area folks and uh, you know, I was one for most of my life. So yeah, yeah, right on. I think the last thing I saw at the new parkway before uh like life stopped for a couple of years was uh we went to like a midnight showing of the dark crystal over there and it was so oh, nice. Yeah, it was <laughs> great. Oh my god, that was so intense. <laughs> that was a good episode of this show too, I think. Yeah. That was a uh, movie night fantasy, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we yes. talked about. I mean, we still do our uh, our dark crystal uh, back and forth with the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Skexis yeah. violence. Skexis um, violence. Yeah. <laughs> Skexpests. Uh, yeah. So the most the most two thousand five <laughs> thing. Um, I was watching interviews that Ryan Johnson did at the time at Sundance, and he was explaining the plot, and he was like, "I know that sounds retarded," and like throwing that word into there, I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is like." I was I was instantly thrown back to like 2005 like oh yeah like you could say that at that point I guess like without people getting upset at you like <laughs> 
For me, the most 2005 thing was the scarves worn with tank tops. Yeah. I don't know about y'all, but Ooh. like I did that. So I was yeah. Like, oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's that's Skeksis violence, if you ask. Lots me. of light wash. Lots of light There's wash, all, yeah. boot cut denim, and square toed shoes, and you know the good stuff from the mid aughts. There's also yeah. a whole the whole army that uh, Tugger has is all they all look like Eminem. Like it's they an really entire do. it's an entire <laughs> army of like dudes that look like kids that were in the fucking real Slim Shady video. Yeah, it, it, it's like the video for uh, Mosh. You guys remember the video for Mosh that was yes. like he was like, he was against Bush and like yep. oh Eminem's getting political and like it was like oh there's like an army of Eminem's marching on the yeah didn't work yeah. by the way John Kerry still fucking lost but uh, <laughs> it did not work no we, well we just we talked Eminem. about it the other day that uh you know on the last episode that the only reason Eminem's kind of gotten away with as much as he has I think is because he was able to like he's come out against uh, Trump and against Bush too like. Yeah. Uh, his his like you know vaguely liberal politics i guess i think um are the only thing that's like stopped him from everyone being like aren't you like kind of a domestic abuser like at least you know right yeah. like like right. at least theoretically at least in your art like <laughs> and yeah, he's like the but line i don't like trump for, like what's acceptable when it comes to liberal politics moves all the time depending I mean, on what the what the topic is yeah, yeah. It's very circumstantial. This, yeah. <laughs> For sure. And like, I know we want to talk about Brick eventually, but like, this is like a thing we get into on our show all the time. We just did an episode uh, about a, a film that stars uh, James Woods. And I caught some heat on Twitter like a couple weeks ago for saying that I was excited to see John Voight act in like a real movie again because I think he's a good yeah, actor. He's and a good like, actor. Yes. And like, he's a good dude, actor. But- yeah. He's an Academy Award winning actor. Like it's an objectively yeah. true thing to say he's he's a good performer. Uh yeah. he's talented and, and good at his job. I was actually and blown I, away with him and Ali. Uh like I wasn't okay. expecting that. Oh like, my god, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, I actually yeah. haven't seen it. We was talking about that today too. But like it, it's it's amazing, like that, yeah, like that just threshold of who's who's problematic and who's acceptable. Like, you know, obviously, you know, Johnny Depp is a kind of a shitbag and like he's he's persona non grata right now, but then like you said, you know, we all love Eminem and we're not worried about about anything that has to do with his history of potential abuse. Sorry, we're not going to talk about that that thing on here anymore. Let's talk about Brick. Yeah, yeah, it, it, we are. We are. It is interesting, though, that there is sort of like what is the metric for being able to accept the fact that someone that maybe has intolerable politics is good at what they do. Right. Yes. Right. And, and we talked about that with LA Confidential. James Elroy is one of the best noir writers, but I think. Yes. I know, yeah. I, I, I threatened him in various ways as the show went on and I drank more. Uh, to, and it escalated. <laughs> and it escalated. Uh, where I was talking about if I were to hang out with him in person, it would like probably be a horrible experience. Ostensibly. Oh, yeah. He's a difficult person for sure. Yeah. Like more so than Mamet, who took a hard neocon turn. But we are here to talk about Brick. Let's talk about Brick. I think it's a movie we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so I, I think an interesting place to start this, um, I have a clip of a... Uh, uh, Ryan Johnson, God damn it. <laughs> Ryan Johnson talking about Dashiell Hammett, and I guess he first heard about Dashiell Hammett um, from uh, Miller's Crossing was the yep. first time he ever, oh. you know, uh, hell yeah. So that so he he's which we somehow things. didn't do this month and somehow didn't make the cut, which is astounding. But yeah, anyway. and then I said, do you want to do it for uh, This Is Revolution? And then we chose Fargo, which you know I like Fargo more than I like Miller's Crossing, but uh, more fun, more fun. Sometimes we do things because they're popular, but not often. <laughs> I never do anything because it's popular. I, you know, I get abuse heaped at me. So. 
Brian Johnson. I'm curious, when I first watched Brick, I watched it twice. The first time I, I thought of Mickey Splain in my camera. Right. And it was partly because of the violence. Yeah. If you remember the old Darren McGavin show with Mickey Splain, <laughs> my camera, it was like fist and mouth and, and reading those old uh, pulp novels. Yeah. I first thought of Mickey Splain, then I read, of course, it's Dashiell Hammett that you're taking after. How much difference was there, actually? Well, uh familiar with Hammett and uh, most directly from uh, uh, most people know Hammett from the Maltese Falcon from Sam Spade but the Maltese Falcon was actually the only thing that Sam Spade was in Hammett's main guy was the Continental Op who was kind of a uh, uh, a much thicker kind of you know brutish guy than 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 the more slim charismatic Spade and uh, the Continental Op's main asset uh, besides his just straightforward determination, was his ability to take an absurd amount of physical punishment. And if you read all of any of those short stories, I mean, there's just, it's painful, man. I mean, just, you know, we, we, we did a lot of, we put Joe through the ringer with Brick, but it was, it's nowhere near just even the mildest of Hammett's stories. And I think that's kind of, but it's also, you know, you talk about Mickey Spillane. I think it's a, it's just a very, integral hallmark of the genre i think and that's that's something that's kind of in a very primal way related to the essence of that uh, of the detective character you know and kind of part of what is, is his whole uh, kind of masculine you know mystique in a way the fact that he just keeps getting up you know that's kind of the essence of it no matter what you hit him with and no matter, you know, there's that, that, that amazing scene in Red Harvest where the detective has been up for like literally 72 hours and he lies down in a bathtub filled with ice for like 10 minutes to, to shock his system into staying awake. And you're just like, oh, my God, you know, but uh, they keep getting up and they keep getting up, you know, and that's that's kind of the, the, the essence of it. That's kind of what we tried to grab a little bit of in Brick. Watched uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in *Mysterious Skin*. You know, and he's punished there too in a different way for different reasons. But I've often thought to myself, as a gay man, I think I had a conscious erotic fantasies around the violence <laughs> in Mickey Spillane and some of those detective things, yeah. because that kind of violence, especially when it reaches that absurd level and, right. and bears no realistic, <laughs> has no realistic basis to it, yeah. is yeah, very yeah. sexy. I suppose yeah. if you if you like men, yeah. and there, there's something there was something quite sexy in, in *Brick*, and I didn't realize what it was at first, but he was, I, but I really it was this cartoonish violence, and he keeps getting up, and he's actually good at fighting too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Looking at the physical kind of, you know, roundness of it. It was it, it, the contrast between movie fighting and and actual fighting was brought into sharp relief at some point when uh, there's a scene where um, Noah Fleiss, who plays Tugger, is is punching. Joe repeatedly down. There's like one take where we're moving the camera back and forth, and there's like four hits in it. And what's in the movie is the sixth take of that because on the seventh take, uh, Fleiss actually connected with a punch, and unlike the third hit, and Joe went down. And I was just watching at the monitor, and because we had it lined up correctly, it just looked like any other punch in one of the other takes, except that Joe didn't get up. Just like James Elroy wouldn't have got up after I was done with him. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> oh. No, that sucks, man. That's, that's there's a cool. there's an interview that I cut pieces out of with that guy talking to um, that interviewer talking to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and he gets like real weird with him. 
he's Super asking questions about like, him getting beat up. He's he's like he's asking questions about like how much he's in bed in that movie, and he's like he's like is yeah. that that part of the whole thing? And like I don't know, it was it was interesting to hear him just be like, well, listen, I think this violence is very erotic as a gay man. It's like I, yeah, I don't know it feels like it's ten minutes and or one drink away from going very different directions. Yeah, yes, for sure. I mean, he he makes an interesting point, which is that there is an element of sort of like sexiness to the the specter of violence in noir films like that's a very real thing but he he's he made it weird yeah <laughs> like when he said it <laughs> um i don't know i i think that uh well I, it's funny also with the mickey spillane you know reference in that because mickey spillane is like this far right i mean he was incredibly far right and like conservative and uh you know he was incredibly pissed when they made kiss me deadly because they kind of satirized his work. Like they had it as this intense situation with Mike Hammer as like an, an immovable force, I guess, that, uh, you know, was was in like, like was in, a, was in an ecosystem where he wasn't quite, um, I, I don't know, like it was a far more liberal, clearly a far more liberal ecosystem than he was supposed to be in, I guess. And uh, so Mickey Swain got like furious about that. That was actually the first episode we did was on Kiss Me Deadly. And <laughs> And um, so it's well, kind we of talked about this on War Month too, right? I mean, like that, like ultimately, like noir attracts people of a conservative bent to a certain degree, at least as far as writers go. Which doesn't mean that, like that, reductively to say that it's like a conservative genre. But by the same token, like a lot of people are drawn to it. They get something out of it, not from narrative function and allegory, but are more like, oh yeah, I want to be like that dude. I'm like, no, that's not the point of this movie. You don't want to be yeah. like right. That. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that is not it's aspirational for them yeah. right and exactly that's, that's why yeah <laughs> and that's like the thing about like conservative authors too i think you know it's like at a certain point like what can you do besides like satirize their work to a certain extent like anyone who i think like engages with like conservative ideology and any sort of like genre storytelling and like has a, a even slightly more objective viewpoint like it's fun to poke fun at it a little bit because it is funny when it's done kind of in earnest you know like i think of like uh like starship troopers right like like you couldn't you couldn't imagine like somebody less uh like equipped to take on like the the actual like fascist ideology of that book than verhoven and like he yeah he, he gets it you know like he he knows that it's like you you can approach this thing and like analyze it from from that regard and i think that this movie actually has like i don't i don't want to say a liberal sensibility to it but i like the way that it kind of uh confuses and obfuscates like this sort of like traditional archetypes of the noir a little bit you know yeah and, and we're talking about it <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah the, like like there is i mean i have clips of of this for later but the, like joseph gordon levy uh talks about uh like joseph gordon levy talks about um the archetypes and that part of it and like they did think that through in the tropes and how like you know i mean from even like the vice principal kind of character right like the authority figure is the only authority figure you really see in the whole movie but it, it wouldn't make sense if he was like a cop. I mean, the cops do come in, but you never see them. And um, so like, he's like that authority figure. And I, and I, I really like the uh, either write me up or suspend me line or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, well, it's so, it's so funny. Cause it's like, yeah, what would it be a truant officer? I mean, like what would be the right. analog, yeah. right? You know, the, uh, that's and I so love great. that they try to like harden, harden the persona there by calling them the VPs, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's all the trappings of like, you know, the day-to-day -day stuff that you would find in a high school, but with this noir sheen over it. And initially I was kind of like laughing to Aaron, 
um, because it is silly. But the the longer the movie goes on, and you see like how handedly the actors um, manage the dialogue, uh, and and how well the film is actually operating within and also around the noir genre, you can't help but like be attracted to it and be totally like taken in by mm. the story. Even when it is silly and even when they're even when Ryan is reminding you like these are sixteen year olds, like with the apple right. juice and the mom. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the vice principal. You know Kamala Harris is sitting there going, you know, I'm I'm VP. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna make a uh, going after the uh, the parents for the kids, the truant officer thing that she. Got, oh yeah, right? there's that lots people of found stuff out there. about. That again, <laughs> I know Carly and Aaron know because it's like, yeah, Kamala was a very known commodity for anyone in the Bay Area because oh, she she yeah. challenged Halloran from the right. You know, was totally gutless on marijuana when there was overstepping state. Uh, federal attorney that tried to anyway whatever that's not this show but she, was, this she show. was smoking I, weed listening to tupac and and uh yeah and, oh yeah yeah, yeah, right. like yeah. yeah in the late 80s yeah in the worth, late 80s <laughs> worth worth oh. noting as it as it pertains to what we're talking about with the archetypes and everything uh who the performer who plays uh the assistant vice principal is uh none other than mr richard roundtree uh aka shaft like black exploitation yeah. all star. Oh, um, so snap. yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's That's interesting, awesome. you know, like having him in like the essentially like police captain role, right? Like, yeah, when it was, you know, for so long, like him as like the loose cannon who was like defying the orders and expectations of the law. Uh, like he's now on the other side of the desk, like in this in this genre format and like playing this particular that. role. Yeah, That's good. I didn't even know that yeah yeah that's uh yeah because i i heard um joseph gordon levitt talk about how it was shaft and i was like oh shit like that i didn't even put that together in, in my head but yeah. yeah yeah we've been watching a lot of black exploitation recently i otherwise probably like would not have recognized him off the bat i certainly didn't when i was growing up but like him and like uh jim brown and, and yeah like, not not in that outfit you wouldn't have you know it's like you don't, you're not <laughs> no. thinking him as an as an administrative uh, functionality, yeah. Because right. this was around the same time he uh, guest starred on Blade the series, where he played uh, Blade's father, um, Papa Blade. Oh, yes, Papa Blade! In, uh, I didn't the that. classic episode with sticky fingers as Blade. <laughs> classic episode, yes. The classic episode we all know and love. Yes, <laughs> right. Of the show that only lasted one season because it really. Yes, guess it was a show that I was not aware that existed until forty five <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> um, I I think that like talking about this movie though, um, the the extremeness of parts of it, right? Like like it's legitimately shocking when Tugger like blows fucking Dode's brains out or whatever. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, yes. And like the the extremeness of the violence, I think, and the extremeness of the situation that like it's not like they're selling wheat, like they're selling fucking heroin to like in this high school. Like everybody apparently, apparently everybody in the entire high school is selling heroin to each other. And like the the extremeness of that, and the actual fact that the girl like gets killed, you know what I mean? Like, and it's not just that you know she's missing or something. Like it, the, the extremeness of that versus like kind of the the day to day functionary stuff of being at a high school. Like having the uh, the Brad character, or whatever, be like, "Oh, put me in the game, Coach. You're gonna put me in the game." Like the the yeah. the drab, I think, functionality of high school versus like the extremeness of a lot of different elements of this um, kind of make the it. Stakes work. are pretty big. The stakes aren't yeah. small at all. 
Yeah. But yeah. it's but you, you would be fooled into thinking that they're small stakes and like, oh no, this is this is not small stakes in any way, shape. Yeah, or. completely. I was saying to Aaron, um, as I was thinking more about the film after we finished it, that I actually feel like you know, on the one hand, there is the sort of subversiveness of having these words come out of, you know, teenagers' mouths. Um, but on the other hand, I was thinking about it more and I was like, but you know what? Like in high school, like I was a fucking drama queen. Like I was completely melodramatic. <laughs> like, And the stakes, the stakes are really high when you're in high school. Like things feel really big. And so on the one hand, there's this like, there's this interesting play between, yeah, the sort of like extremity of the violence and the hard drugs and and then, you know, that being split screen against like a high school. But on the other hand, it also kind of feels like it maps back to the feelings of high school. Like some of these things are, are make or break or they feel like they're life ending even when they're not. So I also feel like it works in in uh, in some way. Yeah. And I mean, I like we're kind of in the era of like teenage soap operas, right? Where, uh, you know, I mean, between like Euphoria, Degrassi, like like all of those different things, the stakes are really high usually in that. Right. Like Degrassi had, you know, Drake getting shot, um, yeah. you know, in, in the in the whatever. And like like but look at Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks was in like like in the same boat. Right. I mean, like, yeah. it, it, no, it's, totally. it seems like there's always a few like, you know, I mean, I know that nobody likes Joss Whedon anymore. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this was also the same time as Veronica Mars came out too. When Bruce Veronica was released, Mars, right? So like it was yes, like absolutely. high school noir kind of stuff as well. And the that's right, yeah, yeah. And I, I feel like it's a little uh, less noir. I, I feel like it's <laughs> easier to kind of. It's easier though to, to like tease out that drama. I think over the course of a TV show than it is a movie. Like you know this this kind of yeah. this kind of nails it. I think the amount of like uh, drama versus violence versus escalation. But you know. Uh, with, with something like Degrassi or like something like that, right? Like there's always like, there's famous episodes that people remember that there was violence or famous episodes people remember where something horrific happened. But like, it's hard to keep that up over the course of 90 minutes rather than like, like across the season, I think. For sure. Yeah, I'm finding it very interesting that you keep bringing up Degrassi. This is the first thing we that I thought Degrassi. of. Formative <laughs> for Forrest. Formative. <laughs> I, I, mean, I just, I just you know, this was around that time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was thinking. And about, I love that like, 80s the one observing that. Who just brought the Blade <laughs> TV series. <laughs> Which, by, by the way, I can get somebody from the Degrassi series, the original OG, like, yeah. from the, uh, uh, like, the early Halcyon days of the 90s. Um, hey. Uh, right. On, if you, if you really want me to. Ooh, that's exciting. I mean, right I now you're gonna, bring, you're gonna bring him on. <laughs> yes, I haven't Ladies watched him that much. Get him on right now. I was, I was just trying to think of a of a teenage teenage kind of soap opera like around you know with the same kind of genre. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's quite a few. Watching the of them. Kevin Smith episodes, which I think came out around this time. I think <laughs> I, I'm I'm just gonna abandon this topic, but I think Veronica Mars <laughs> is is a great example though because you know that was something where it seems like it would be small stakes, but it is very large stakes. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's yeah. like, there's rape, there's all kinds of like serious things that, that like occur in that show, but it still is like teenagers doing a noir at the For same sure. time yes. as well. Skins too, I guess that was, skins I, I was, was another to, one. Yeah. Skins, yeah. I like skins. 
gave us yeah. uh what's his name jack o'connell who i think is a great underrated actor i wish he made better career decisions in terms of his yeah. performances but uh, <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> you know one of the things that you're making me think though in terms of like the stakes of this thing like i don't know this is purely anecdotal but like i grew up like in the midwest like in a suburb and a bunch of bored kids you know and i was a pretty good kid i hung out with like a good crowd for most of that time like when i was in school but when i was in like like a freshman in high school i remember distinctly having friends who were like you know a little bit uh more like the troublemakers like they like cut class and like smoked weed and like you know skated and broke shit. and they had like older siblings who they would hang out with who were like well into their 20s and i remember distinctly like instances of like being afraid for my safety like in a house with like adults like young people but like adults like drinking and like fighting and smoking and being like I should not be here. <laughs> um, and I think it's like important that like in the movie, like they make an explicit reference to the fact that like the pin and like by proxy, essentially like probably like tug and some of that cohort are like actually adults. Like I think they say that the pin is like 26. Um, and so like, I don't know, there, there's an interesting kind of like that permeable barrier between like adolescence and like adulthood that they keep crossing that makes some of, some of the like, you know more noirish and like more violent moments near the end of the movie feel a little bit more convincing to me yeah which is what also makes it funny that the only parent you see in the entire movie is the the pin's mom right like yeah you never see any other uh like you never see uh brendan's like uh parents right he references his mom once and like in the middle of the movie like oh did they call your parents or something and he's like no i don't think so and that was the first time it registered with me like oh shit like this kid is parents like i thought he was just kind of out there wandering the streets by himself and like apparently not like yeah the, the brain right. mentioned his mom his own mom, mother a couple of times which is weird that they have a character named the brain in it because because i thought i was like <laughs> having flashbacks so watching arthur with my kids um, yo you know who played the brain you know who played the the og brain fucking yeah, steven crowder, Steven crowder. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but uh i mean i don't know that, that's kind of fascinating too well see i didn't i had a very small group of friends in high school and all of my friends were either in their 30s 20s or 40s like I I all my friends were existed in like this weird space but like you know New Paltz has always been a weird town that like attracts a lot of like you know townies and like uh I guess um I'll use the word from a couple of weeks ago itinerant folks like people that just kind of travel the country and go to like rainbow <laughs> gatherings like <laughs> like you know what I mean like so people that are just kind of wandering about and mm -hmm. so I, I was like usually friends with those kinds of people as like a 14 year old which is not what i should have been doing but like you know what i mean so like i did see shit that i definitely shouldn't have seen it and like people were like doing heroin and shit you know by the time i was a, a teenager so like i'm getting flashbacks to this hotel party i was at where these two gutter punks show up and they're like dude dude you know who the best person to drink with is the, the homeless guy behind the grocery store <laughs> Well, yeah, that's the guy that'll buy you the fucking beer. That's the thing. Like, right. I, I drank a lot, like, as a teenager or whatever. Like, I partied a lot. Like, it was the first time I ever knew you could really do that. Like, I went to private school. Um, I got, like, sent to private school, like, because I have really bad ADHD. And they were like, we don't want you in public. Like, go go to private school. So um, I went there. Like, the school paid for it. And uh, I so I ended up coming to, to high school and not knowing anybody, really, because I hadn't been in the, you know, the public school system. And, like, not really knowing how to, like, talk to people. So like I don't know, it was it was an experience where like I, I did end up just becoming friends with like the homeless guy behind the thing and being like, <laughs> want to drink? Like I don't I don't have anything going on. I'm like 15. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and like this is the thing that I like about Brick. You know, this time watching it and like maybe being you know 
out of like my teenage years and like as an adult and it feels like it actually has like a profound kind of like respect and admiration for that like moment where you're sort of like on the precipice of adulthood whereas like something like euphoria feels like it has nothing but contempt like it's like exploitative and it's like you know let's dress up like barely legal adults like scantily and like like make sure they're all fucking and dying and whatever like all the time for well that's because like, no i'm just kidding <laughs> i mean it's it's like it's for an adult Gently. audience right but it's like like let's make like children like there's a there's a weird thing there sam levinson I, I i'm not a fan uh but you know this one feels to me like it's somebody with respect for that feeling of like being forced to kind of like grow up a little bit too fast based on your environment while you're still like supposed to be enjoying childhood a little bit. Yeah. And, and Ryan Johnson wrote this, uh, you know, uh, co-wrote this during, um, uh, like, like right out of college, right? Like he was, he, it took him 10 years to make and write mm -hmm. and finish this. So like, you know, he went right from film school, started writing this, this was the project he decided he wanted to work on. And then he tried to get it like made for the next 10 years. So he's kind of coming out of it, I, I think, at a point where he was just, you know, I mean, he was probably like the pins age, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he wasn't he wasn't in, in a space where it's like some older guy writing dialogue about, you know, uh, a bunch of teenagers like interacting that hasn't been in, in high school for like, you know, 30 years. Like he probably, had, you know, uh, I mean, by the time he made it, you know, it had probably been over a decade, but like it probably was under a decade when he started writing it. Um yeah, and it's clear like how that his his proximity to that age like translates really well to kind of the ways in which he he superimposes, you know, a kind of traditional noir um narrative on top of a high school setting. Like there's that line in the beginning with the with the brain and Brendan and Brendan is asking him about like where Emily or Laura or someone is and he's interrogating him and they're talking about lunch like where where are you eating lunch these days and like that's the question yeah. that they ask each other because that's like because that's what you do in high school right I mean that's a good high school. school thing yeah yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and he has that great line and he says he's like lunch I don't know lunch is a lot of things lunch is difficult and I was just like that's <laughs> yeah that's a perfect that's noir line, but it's about <laughs> fucking lunch in a cafeteria. Yeah. It's it's excellent. Yeah, well, I mean, the the noir version of it is like, oh, where where you know where is he hanging his hat, or like where is she hanging? You know what I mean? Like, yes, right. exactly. That that, that I mean, it's also like uh, you've been picking your feet in Poughkeepsie, right? Like, it's like the French Connection right. line that like starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very similar to that. So, Poughkeepsie, you say? I don't know. That's, that's one town over from me. <laughs> the uh, the other thing I wanted to say briefly about the Medford. violence. People from Medford say that. Yeah, we know people from Medford. You say it all the time. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to say about the violence is like, it is extreme, yes, but it also feels really earned, which is wild considering we open with a dead girl. Like, yeah. right off the jump, we start with a dead body floating in water. And yet, the the way that the film is is so measured in its escalation um and how sort of like just bludgeoning it is like over the course of the you know near two hours it does like when you do get to that scene when tug blows dode's head head away like i 
screamed. Like I yeah, literally it's, it's, screamed. It, it builds the intensity because of what came before it, right? Where, where yes, you just think it lulled into like not complacency exactly, but you you think of it as differently, and then you're like, oh, whoa, it's totally yeah. explosive. And and throughout the film, I think up to that point, like the violence was always something that you either got back up from or. Uh, um, there's the their moment. I can't remember if it's before or after we see. Do- I think it's right before uh, we see Dode's head get blown. Yeah, it's right before, like 20 minutes before or something. Uh, the guy comes in with a blade and and he does the yeah. Looney Tunes run and he hits yeah. the pole. And then you see him yeah. like you know, but like it's it's made clear to you that like he didn't die. He just got knocked out by hitting the pole. And it's like yeah. done in a very cartoonish way. Whereas yeah. you know, I mean, Dog getting or Dode getting his head blown off is not. That is uh, extremely all. violent and shocking and you know just you're like oh fuck like and, and also i think the fact that he keeps getting up from punches right like it's like every character kind of keeps getting up like know. that clip you that clip you posted right that um or the clip that you posted the clip that you put on the show that uh it talks about like how he just keeps getting up like he's not he gets knocked down and you know and just takes all this and physical gets up punishment. again yeah, well, you're never gonna get him down. I, as soon as I said it, I was like, "Here comes Andy." Uh, he's gonna take he, a whiskey drink. He's gonna take a vodka drink. He's gonna take a lager drink. He's gonna take a cider drink. That's just what he does. Let the guy be. What you do? That's what you do. <laughs> Please uh, play us out when we end the show with Chumbawamba. I, I I wish I could do that without getting instantly flagged. Mm. Instant uh, takedown. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I didn't think about that. We don't worry about that on our program, but so my so. The, the point of that is that like it, it is almost cartoonish right but cartoonish in the mm-hmm. way that is like is old school noir where you're you know the protagonist yeah. is always like getting you know he's getting sucked by a dame he's getting like knocked out by the guy he's following and this and that but he's always getting back up until he basically can't get up anymore in that grand tradition uh and the only thing that's like, kind of notable here is that like it's like oh you look at joseph gordon levitt's character and you don't think he would be good at fighting but it's like Oh no, he's kind of like a decent fighter in a weird sort of like unexpected way, which I don't know about y'all's experience, but I I knew kids like that in my high school where it's like, oh yeah, don't oh, mess yeah. with that guy. Like he looks like yes. he's that that kid's nuts. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. he's like well, the Terminator. The pin, the pin says that, right? <laughs> yeah. Like when when Joseph Gordon Levitt's character first comes to him and and you know is is basically demonstrating to him that he's not afraid of him. The pin says, you know, you're either not afraid of me or you're crazy or you're both. And um, and like it's it's notable, too, that Joseph Gordon Le- scrappy. Yes, scrappy he's incredibly scrappy. scrappy. And his yeah. his appearance is like comical throughout the entire film. Like he's literally in the same clothes the entire time. His hair is like a joke. He's in these like very silly <laughs> spectacles. And yet he is a, an absolute force in yeah. throughout the whole movie which is Look, a very, I it very uh, relatable <laughs> which is a I had very uh, were pretty terrible too and i was a force as well so i found it relatable <laughs> i feel like it's a very humphrey bogart-esque thing almost you know what i mean mm-hmm. like you don't expect that he's gonna be able like he's not a, a big guy or like whatever but he's always kind of holding his own at the very least not dying um right uh this is this is the this is the joseph gordon levitt uh clip about um it's about uh the punch that he took that was actually a real punch um, oh, cool. And, awesome. And, and the violence in general of the movie. You appear to be a very physical actor. You throw yourself into a role, even to the point of 
beyond the point of reason. Uh, when I talked to your director, who I loved, Ryan Johnson, he said there was one scene where Noah Fleiss's character, I think, is tug is punching you and actually connects. Yeah, yeah. And talk a little bit about that experience and what it was like to take a punch. Yeah, I've never been hit before. I've never been in a fight before. I was raised by pacifists and or you know at least ex hippies and uh, never got hit. And um, I don't know when you watch movies, it seems like actually getting hit they always make this sound effect that's kind of almost soft like the sound effect you know but that's not at all what getting hit really feels like it feels more like it's much harder than that it feels more like you should hear two pieces of wood like connecting because that's what it feels like there's no give <laughs> to your face because <laughs> and he hit me right in the face and uh yeah i think i i remember him hitting me and i remember how i felt and then i remember being on the ground and I don't think I was like out for very long, but um, but Ryan said he didn't even know that it had happened yeah. because all the other the fake punches had been convincing enough that he just thought that it was another one. But then I didn't get up, <laughs> and then I told everyone that I wasn't okay. And, but one of the things, because because I'm a boxing fan, and I see I see that happen to guys all the time, and they're now some exciting boxing movies, and it's like. At that point, you're out of the movie, right? When when that happens, it's like you're you're no longer the character. Who are you at that point? What what happens to you in, in your sense? Uh, well, I guess I was scared for a second because I didn't know what happened. I I was more just surprised than anything else. Because you know, if you're a boxer, at least you're expecting to get hit. You brace yourself for it. You practice it, right? I wasn't expecting you to get hit, so I, I got a little startled. And yeah, I broke character. I guess I need to work on that. No, they, they tell they, they say in the boxing field that, that the punch you don't see is the one that the, the one that's devastating. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I imagine that. But I, I saw this punch full well and was expecting to just you know um, fake as if I was taking it like all the other punches, but um, but it didn't work out that way. I bring this up because the role is so good in the physical side of it. Your character is in part cartoonishly bouncing up and down like a cart like a cartoon character like the coyote or something yeah, it's yeah. it's i mean you take an insane amount of violence and just get right dust yourself off and get right up again uh, talk a little bit about that the demands of a role like that well i'm glad you bring up wily coyote because uh, uh looney tunes were definitely a big influence for the whole physicality and and actually just even for the whole rhythm of brick brick is really fast and snappy and um, for entertainment's sake, it's not about trying to imitate reality. It's about being quick and fun and, and intriguing. And oh, am I supposed to hold this? Sorry. And yeah, so uh, we were watching Looney Tunes and, and a lot of people bring up the violence in Brick and there is a lot of violence, but it is kind of it's cartoony like that. It's not an attempt to to you know make you feel how how darkly morose you know human beings can be towards each other and violence it's it's more uh, theatrical than that and it's more cartoonish like you said one of the things I bring it up is because your character seems to fight quote dirty in other words he looks whatever opportunity he has to get the guy down like when you fight that football player you seem completely ill matched and then of course you just you just fight unfairly no of course he, the character um, has uh, he, he's not he doesn't believe in fighting or anything like that he's not a martial artist he just wants to find out what happened to his ex-girlfriend
which is really kind of uncomfortable. That was super uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. It was uh it was after the guy talks talks to him about uh he's like, You lie in bed a lot in this movie, and he's like, I never thought about that. He's like, Is that one of those archetypes that you're talking about? And he's like, no, no. I, don't, I, don't, I, I, I just, I don't know. I was in bed and I don't know. That guy gets very weird during this what if What if we laid down during this interview? <laughs> <laughs> what would you feel? How would you feel about that? <laughs> I know this isn't the point of that interview and there's a lot of like actual substance to it, but it's like, I hope this isn't like, you know, slanderous or anything, but like, it, it reminds you that like Joseph Gordon-Levitt for like a time was like a really charismatic, like, person and like actor and presence and like was kind of up and coming and you know getting book good booking good roles like he was like a christopher nolan movie in like 2010 as he was kind of like at his peak you know uh and like how awful 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 his vibes are now that he's like hit record joe like since he started that kind of like whole like media like that's right you know like i forgot that 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 existed (laughs) yeah everyone did but I, i don't know if you've ever like seen him on twitter but like everything like when you read like what comes out of him on twitter it looks like a robot like just like spat something out it's like it's just weird vibes all around and it all feels very like pitchy and like you know like hashtag yeah but that's a lot of i mean most celebrities absent. are kind of like that no totally he was I, in I, the i will so i will say that sorry to interrupt but i will say this, no, the Brian Koppelman uber thing where he's like the uber asshole the well he is an uber asshole but the asshole from uber uh-huh. uh I, I i thought he was quite good in that i thought it, i thought that was but he's also like that character's a dick Mm-hmm. I also, I, mean, I, I, I think he's a good performer. I think he's a good actor. I just like as a person, like he hopped on a train for like a creative, like collaborative space ten yeah. years ago. If he hadn't had his thing, then he would be like one of the biggest like crypto evangelists now. I bet like he would have <laughs> something about like that like community element and like pitching it. Like that would be him right now. Yeah. I um I I I liked. Uh, that Seth Rogen movie he was in, which is kind of a, a probably a break from oh, uh, his, uh, the night the night before or something. It's a it's a Christmas movie with Seth Rogen. Oh, uh, I think it's the night yeah, before. yeah, the night before. Oh, yeah. and, and he did uh, he did fifty fifty as well, right? I was or thinking like, that's what that's what I was thinking of. I was like, oh yeah, fifty yeah, fifty is great because he's in that with Seth Rogen too, where he's like, yeah, he's yeah. like has like uh, terminal like cancer ter- diagnosis. Ter- or yeah, something. at like a very young age. Yeah, yeah, that was right. good. But I don't know. I just. Uh, I, I feel like he he brought charisma back a little bit for the for that Seth Rogen movie, and I don't know. It's kind of yeah. I mean, it seems like he's probably a cagey person. I mean, a lot of I guess actors are after a while. Like oh yeah, I, for I don't, sure. But um, and he started. I don't know too, about y'all, but I think his best role was in Angels in the Outfield. That's just me just, personally. Wow, I forgot about that <laughs> one. He's good in that one. And going back, going back. I wonder why you do a '90s style podcast. No, oh, I yeah. mean, I grew up watching that. Um, I the one thing I like Looper. About, I think Looper's underrated, actually. So we were talking about Looper's, that Looper's great. great. I great. just rewatched Looper and Premium Rush before this, so you know. Oh yeah, which which um not a good film, but like really good performances from the from him and uh, mm. Michael Shannon. So you know, um, mm-hmm. there's that at least. <laughs> Who do you all think did really well in this in this movie? I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt, obviously, like he's carrying yeah. the whole film. But I also thought that there were some other really, really fantastic performances from supporting characters. I liked I liked uh, Kara, the 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 theater girl that's like the ultra uh, yeah. film to tell that you know. Has oh, like uh, Meg- uh, Megan Megan Good. Megan Good, yeah, yep. yeah. Good. yeah. I like I, that was my answer too. Yeah. Who, if if the audience isn't familiar with the name and hasn't seen Brick, uh, if you've seen any 
uh, predominantly black sitcom on television <laughs> between like 1998 and 2008. She was in it. Megan Good was, was on it for some time. Uh, it's the law. She's, she's, yeah, she's very familiar. Uh, and I really like her in this. Yeah. yeah I like Noah Fleiss. Uh, she was in Stomp the Yard. I totally forgot. That yeah, that's what I know her from. <laughs> yeah. I, I like Noah Fleiss's tug a lot. He's like mm-hmm. like a young man's that guy sort of like mm-hmm. kind of dude. But like, <laughs> yes. I, I think I just think he's like it, like it's such a great character, right? And it, like it's it's so like it's in body bodies a trope from a certain type of like high school dude and like takes it this other direction. And uh, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, good. it's a good um, it's a good representation. I also I, I like when he when he slams him up against the wall and he's like he's like because he's going through the the bricks or whatever and like yeah. looking around at stuff and he slams against the wall and he's like I just did you know I wanted to know what was going on and I'm and I'm you know the fact that I didn't like I'm angry he has like a, a good line where um uh Joseph Gordon Levitt has a good line where he's like um I need to know where to send the body of the morgue or something or where to build the morgue and right. he's like he's like well then ask and he's like well I tried to ask but like you know I haven't gotten an answer about any of this stuff. And it makes me anxious and angry. And he just stops and puts them down. He's like, that's understandable. And it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. All the fucking time. <laughs> a, you're the most angry. Cool yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a he, creature of pure rage. We're like, okay, yeah, right. good point. <laughs> He's just like me for real. You're mad too. I thought yeah. I was the only one that could feel yeah. that. Uh, I'm pissed all the time also. It's yeah, so it's good. He he doesn't, you know, I can't think of it many other like big roles, um, except for that same Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, Nolan movie, uh, Inception. Lucas Haas is also in that one oh, um, right. at the very beginning. He's in he it for like, the first like 10, 15 minutes. I don't know that I'm a big fan of his like collectively and his body of work, but he does something in this movie that I think is really, really good. I, I don't know. There's like, it, I like his character. I like the nuances of his character, like the way that they kind of like make him sort of believable within like the yeah. nerd of the film like you know he has like the cane and you're like why does this guy have a cane and a cape and you realize oh he's like he's a weirdo and also like he <laughs> has like a platform boot like he actually has like a physical disability hence the right. hence the cane um but then there's like the scene when he's revealing to him that like uh revealing to Joseph Gordon Levitt that like he brought him in because he's afraid of Tug and like Tug is like kind of like a uh a, a, a loose end that like he's afraid is gonna pop off and and create like some sort of like you know wreckage and they're sitting on the beach watching the ocean and he asks scene. him yeah. about Tolkien and he yeah. and it's like it's such like a moment that like betrays like uh a sort of like juvenile quality and like kind of like an arrested development like just like weird kid you know like doing all of this like shit kind of thing you know where he's like i really i really like tolkien he's got a he's got a really good way of describing things he makes you yeah and, and it's like out of nowhere it's like completely out of context it's like just like our last episode yeah. where we brought up yeah about. we're we, no, I, was, I watched this right gandalf after the white supremacists. yeah we, we we did gandalf the white supremacist like we went into this weird uh bit where like gandalf came back radicalized from the balrog or whatever and he comes back as gandalf the white supremacist and we like we we were just like you know like fucking around in the after party and and we did, like, sure a party. So, were so after cutting those clips yesterday and like posting them um i watched this movie right after that and he's like uh He's like, yeah, I really got into Tolkien and uh, you know those Hobbit books. And he's like, he's like, you could really visualize the stuff or whatever, like uh, visualize yeah. his words. And I was like, oh, yeah, this, is how, really this is how you become radicalized. Is this radicalized guy by it. like <laughs> the the Tolkien yeah. Diaries? It's called. Yes. 
Um, <laughs> you know, fun fact, actually, uh, Lucas Haas was in Leap of Faith, which a uh, friend of the show, Gabriel Horn, that was like one of his oh, first. Um, cool. He was an extra in that movie. And I remember he bought like the stupidest pair of shoes. Um, love you, Gabe. Uh, that were like clear <laughs> combat boots. Yeah, friend of the show, let's light him up. Combat. That sounds no. That sounds like it owns. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and worn yeah. with purple socks. Yeah. There's nothing about this that sounds that. lame at all. I don't know. This was awesome. also like 1993. You know. Uh, That's right. Lucas awesome. Haas was yes. Jack's black brother in Mar oh Mars Attacks. Oh my god. Yes. Right. He he is very very good in Mars Attacks too. Actually, as I, I totally recall. forgot he yes. was in that movie. Yes, he is. He is I was trying to I was trying to place him. I was trying to place his face because I've seen him in stuff. And yeah, Mars Attacks. Um, That's quite the family in that movie. It's Jack Black, Lucas Haas, and uh, Joe Don Baker as, as Papa Bear. <laughs> and they're like the they're like the yokel, the yokel ass family. They're like, the yeah, yokels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I it's, it's hard to picture like uh, after watching this, Lucas Haas as like a, a yokel type guy. Like he's like he's like he's like the the proto, I mean not proto, but like he's like the goth uh um when you watch like uh when you watch um letter kenny and they have like the they, they have, like, oh. really out fucking <laughs> yeah. uh, like the skids or whatever like that's what, yeah. what his whole like vibe reminded me of and it's funny because you know i mean they're also like the drug dealers in that show yeah, <laughs> yeah. he has a Isn't perfect it? like mid-aughts emo kid vibe to him there's an alien sex fiend shirt involved if i remember correctly which i which was very notable <laughs> to me at the time i was like alien sex fiend wow <laughs> nice <laughs> he's like he's like the drug kingpin which makes it funny yeah. because you're like you're like trying to because he gets brought in by tug uh into that into the room and you think like oh that must be the drug kingpin and then he turns around and it's just like this emo dude that's like you know or goth yeah. dude that's uh this guy around yeah <laughs> he's just like he's, he's like he's, high school ichabod crane I, yeah. I was gonna go for the crow <laughs> but yeah that's that's yeah, yeah. A, little bit, a little bit of all this yeah, a little <laughs> all of those uh, can be true at the same time and more right it's true they're not mutually exclusive conan I, I know this is your show and and you're the the ringleader here the pin as it were uh for us but <laughs> while we're on the subject of the violence and uh, conan already brought up that that chase scene with like the guy that brad hires who knifes him and i think that scene is like phenomenal by the way and one of the things that i think is so cool about it i don't know if you all caught this as well but uh the entire thing is foleyed in terms of like the soundscape in it like it is not uh like recorded like like in camera or like like with actual equipment the the like kind of like clopping of the boots is like too pronounced and too like high up in like the mix and it really feels like that kind of like noirish like yes clacking yeah. against like the cobblestones kind of thing like it feels sort of like the uh the end of the third man a little bit like in like the, the yeah combs in terms of like yes. kind of like chase. yeah and uh i mean the entire thing is just like an excellent sort of like sound design but the, the most satisfying moment is like when you see him trip the assailant and there's just that like loud resounding like metallic echo when he hits the pole. yeah <laughs> and, and, he, and he falls like a looney tunes character like he, yeah. the way that yeah, he yes. does it is like you can tell like he hits his head and then he's like in midair almost for a second and then yeah. falls down yeah. um I also the other, love the this, other, like that scene. Truly, the Foley was an artist in that scene. Well, the no, other yeah, the other no. place I think yeah. that, that it really uh, that it really shines is when they're like the final confrontation, right, between yeah. uh, the pin mm -hmm. and, and Tugger or whatever, and you can hear everything happening upstairs, but you don't know what it is. And then yes. the guy comes in and he's been like shot, but then he's like he's like he like pisses himself or something. You don't see the blood, like 
and then he like falls onto the ground or whatever, which is another kind of weird Looney Tunes kind of moment. Um, mm-hmm. But you can hear everything upstairs, but you don't know what's happening upstairs. And you never really find out what's happening upstairs besides like, oh, the brick is gone and everyone's fighting each other. But like, it's kind of this, this like gunshot, 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 like, uh, you know, screaming something else. And then um, for him to, you know, you don't obviously see uh, the pin get beaten to death, but like, assumably yeah. the pin gets beaten to death and the yeah. screaming is you know as he as he leaves and he's just like no i'm gonna dip from here i'm gonna get the fuck out of here which is yeah, he like takes the weapon make. and just sort of yeah slides uh, nope. it back into the room i'm out yeah. <laughs> that that sequence by the way has one of my favorite compositions in the entire uh in the entire film like for how stylistic it is the film is kind of ugly a lot of the times which i find like fascinating like the, the camera work is really great but it's in like a lot of really just kind of like bland like Gets gray like that environment these um, mini mall colors yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but, but like that 60s uh uh link uh, um uh johnson era kind of like um like like uh poverty program uh building project yeah which, which are ugly buildings um you know not not like uh not like you know not like uh, fdr folks yeah <laughs> but in, in that moment like the the score takes like almost like a kind of like western like like turn you know like it has like kind of like the raising sort of like horns and and everything and and brendan uh jgl's like backing away as like tug is mercilessly beating the pin and we see a shot that's just like like a wide on brendan staring into the room that is like the only thing lit and you see the silhouette of the pin fly across like the opening of the doorway yeah yeah. the light and then it goes black and then the only light source is coming from like the top of the stairs, like down on him, and that kind of like very noirish, like chioscura kind of like lighting. Uh, I don't know why. Like when I was like fifteen, I remember watching this movie, and that shot like stuck with me. I was like, "That's cool. That that's a cool composition. I like that. I I want to make something like that." It was it was kind of I guess overshadowed for me for me by the fact that the next shot is him uh, just kind of jumping out of a window. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't I don't know. Like like. Just, back to Looney Tunes. That, yeah. yeah, just for the fact that he's just able to get out the bottom window and then nobody really notices. Like, you hear the cop cars coming. It's just that you don't hear a lot of the uh, – you don't see a lot of the stuff during that whole sequence, right? Like, you don't see yeah. the guy getting beat to death. You don't um, see what's going on upstairs. You don't see the cops show up. It just kind of cuts from there. Like, sure, everything is kind of implied. But, like, just to have him kind of, like, jump up through – I was like, how the fuck is he going to get out of this house? Like, because you don't know whether the cops are in the house yet. I mean, real, real, real vibe, I guess. Like, if you've ever been at, like, a party that the cops arrived at, right? Like, everyone's like, get the fuck out of the party. Uh, like, when you're underage or something, and everyone mm-hmm. has to kind of scatter and figure out how to get out of a house they've never been in before. So, like, just to have him, like, realize, <laughs> oh, there's a window there. Let me just hop right out of it. Um, how, how many times have you had to hop out of that window? Out of that specific window? Never. No. <laughs> <laughs> out of No, I mean, I, I, like, usually I kind of realize that, like, I didn't have drugs on me or anything like that. And like cops weren't really going to say anything to me. You know what I mean? Like they're going to get whoever owns the house in trouble. So I would usually just be like, yeah, I'll stick around and see what happens. But, um, (laughs) but like, if you, but like, I've also been, I mean, I've run through like the woods because then you actually can get in trouble because they're like, yo, this is trespassing. But like, if you're in somebody's house who invited you, they're going to get their shit fucking ticketed. And you're like, I, you know, just put down it's, anything it's cool you're, when you're in high yeah. school you're like i'm neurodivergent and a minor it's whatever <laughs> <laughs> pretty much i mean yeah and and like <laughs> even even up till like i don't know even when i was like 18 like you can still get in trouble for shit and like 
even though you're an adult and you can go to war, but you know, you can still get in trouble for having a beer at a party, but like you just yeah. abandon whatever, like you just, you know, if you have a beer, like you just put it down somewhere and then walk away from it. And like, what's the cop going to do? Is this your beer, sir? Let me fingerprint it. Like, no, no, it's going <laughs> to. <laughs> yeah. I do want to mention uh, the brain uh, was in the movie, the frailty, um, which was uh, uh, directed by Bill Paxton and uh, produced by uh, Tom Beckham. So, you know, just bringing it back to another episode. <laughs> wow. wow. Exactly. Sort so of. I'll come he did look familiar to me, that actor who played the brain, who I he's think in a like... a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, he has one of those faces that feels like he's in a lot of things. Oh, he's a, def- he's a that guy. He's a, he's yeah, a that he, guy. He's been yeah. in everything from like Spy Kids 2 to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So. Oh, my God. Like, I think I might... Actually, no, that's from Spy Kids too. Now that I think about it, and the and the <laughs> Disney Channel original film, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire from the year two thousand. <laughs> awesome. That's fully what I know him from. That's what? It. What if the date that the mom has is Blaze Dad? <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> oh man. Also starring Richard Roundtree. We have fun, don't we? <laughs> Marvel, call me. <laughs> Yo, this is this is an unexpected. Uh, apparently, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's tennis partner is Lucas Haas. Oh wow! Oh my god! <laughs> what? You, that's I feel like that's like a list actor and then like guy who's appeared in some stuff. Uh, you know, matchup. I don't know. The thing about Leo that like, I mean, he is like one hundred percent a Hollywood weirdo, just like everyone else's. Yeah. You know? But like the one thing that does seem kind of like chill about Leo is that like he populates yeah, get those his, ads like, off inter- the screen. We aren't we aren't being paid from any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Leo Leo like populates his inner circle with like actors who aren't as famous as he is now, right? Like he was part of that kind of like brat pack of like you know like the what do they call the Pussy Patrol or whatever they called themselves when Ooh, they were like yeah like Oof. yeah like yeah they all I think they all feel bad about that now, which is kind of I, funny. I like. think I think they do, but now he's just like you know like ba- like uh sunbathing like with a shirt on with like jonah hill and like playing tennis with lucas haas and stuff like it seems like he gets along well with like his co-stars and just like wants to vibe and buying the rights for another round for an american remake which is going to be vastly inferior to the original and of course dating uh dating barely legal uh models wherever possible he's gonna Ah, yes one does anytime he meets one to the point where people make jokes about it I, I guarantee you, though, I, I guarantee you, Leo's one of those people that's never, like, you know, like, they, they never are a minor. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like he, he skirts that line because he's. Yeah, yeah he's you know. careful yeah. about it. They're always like, like Seinfeld. I, I think someone. Yeah. Like, he's like Brad Pitt like, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and demanding ID. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. It. There's someone like did like a like a, a chart of it on Reddit because, of course, they did. And it's like uh, the age gap, like between him and whoever it is he dates is like consistently like since he became like like 40 like 22 years old or something this is not news guys this is what men in hollywood do i yeah. don't know you know yeah. well eventually he'll date a 40 year old though you know like when he hit 60 so yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no he'll probably still be with like a 29 year old because he can be yeah um yeah i thought i will just say i thought that the actor that played dode was fantastic he's only in the movie for like two minutes max like he doesn't he doesn't have a ton of screen time but i think he's awesome in it and i think his character um for especially being like you know he's the one that gets blown away like i was invested in like that happening like it was i was very shocked by it and i was also like oh fuck like i i I don't want to say that I started to care about his character, but 
Yeah. He manages to do a whole lot in, you know, only a few short minutes of screen time. And I think that's formidable. Well, he's, you know like, he's, classic, he's that guy's uh, name. And and he uh, uh, he's not only in he's in Looper and in The Last Jedi and in Knives Out, but he's also in The Brothers Bloom, which is the Ryan Jones movie. Yeah, Nobody remembers. Oh, he is a, oh, yeah, a that's a good film. I like him collaborator with that was Ryan his Johnson. next film, right? Like that was his second. Yep. Not very popular. Huh? Yeah, people forget about it all the time. I forgot yeah. about it. But that's it's Ruffalo and Adrian Brody, right? It's it, it, it's a it's a great cast. It's very well written. It's well directed. Like um. Yeah, uh, uh, what's her face? Uh, um, Rachel, Weiss. Rachel Weiss. Yeah, is is uh, the in it as well? I mean, Robbie Coltrane. Yep. Yeah, and uh, uh, Nora, what's her nuts? Who's in this too? Is is uh, she's in that also? She's yeah. in all kinds of stuff. What wasn't she on Heroes for a little bit? Is that what I remember her from? She's like later seasons. Yeah. Or was it was it just another girl like with a demure face and like a pixie cut like that who was in Heroes? <laughs> Entirely possible. I don't remember. It's been too long. But she, she's been in a bunch of like stuff. Let's put it that way. She's she, she, she's she's working a lot. Perfect. So. She was in Heroes. Uh, I looked it up. Had, I was she, right. she was in Heroes. Okay. Yes. She had a story arc in uh, AKA X Men. Yeah. Anyway. She had a story arc in uh, How I Met Your Mother when when Ted Ted Mosby uh, decided to date one of his students. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've watched a surprising terrible. amount. Of- that guy sucks. Like not not not. I like How I Met Your Mother. It's a funny show. Uh, but Josh Radner, you mean? No, just the character of Ted in that oh, show. Oh, yeah, he's awful. Like, yeah, he's like the worst part yeah, of it. Like, yeah. he, like, Josh Radner, whatever, like, plays him well, but, like, it's just the most, like, he's just the most pretentious fucking character. And you're like, yeah. I'm going to hear this guy's story out to the end, but he's taking forever with it, and he just keeps getting worse. Yeah, I dipped <laughs> yeah. out at some point. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, I've, I've watched a surprising amount of episodes of that show, and then I, I had this epiphany, like, I don't actually care about this. And I just kind of <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to get with it. Yeah. And the same thing with Sons of Anarchy. I'm like, why am I watching this? I, I, I mean, I didn't have, I didn't I'm have people. Also, like, these guys are really bad at crime. That's the other thing I got from Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, get to the spinoff. I didn't, no, I, mean, I, I didn't, I didn't have cable at the time and like it was early netflix right like when you know it was like that was one of those shows that was on netflix that you could just mm-hmm. kind of binge and it, like so i i think i've seen all of how i met your mother probably but uh, yeah. you know because there, there wasn't very much on netflix at that point that i yeah, like it's <laughs> i would call it mostly harmless television right like it's not it's, it's watchable for sure it's, it's fine. fine uh josh radner is is uh awful though i i yeah, there's oh yeah he, he did that movie i can't remember what it's called now but it's the one that like uh all like the the worst people on twitter uh steal that like little meme from where elizabeth olsen says like you think talking about things you hate is cool and it's not it's lame like oh about is it uh happy thank you more please or whatever the no it's called like it's some like it's like called like higher education it's some like it's about him being like a college professor who dates a student or something like that uh liberal arts liberal arts that's what it is uh (laughs) there there is an argument to be made that of like the cohort of like 2000s sitcom stars who went on to direct a film he is a worse one than zach braff Mm -hmm. uh so i'll just leave it at that (laughs) (laughs) um do you want to jump into the one-liners so we can uh you know get to the after party I would love to. I'd love to for her. So, of course, Letterboxd, as we all know, it's a place for film. It's a place where film lovers get to talk at, with, and to each other about the films they love, the films they didn't love, the films they are weirdly thirsty for. 
and everything in between. And of course, this is best expressed in the classic working in your tight five one liner form, which we compile for this show for the movies that we cover. Oh my gosh. These are <laughs> so one liners for brick. Take us away, Forrest. Not how my high school experience went. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I can agree, yeah. Yeah. But mine involved watching Four a lot stars. more maniacs. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I hung out with a lot of a lot of older random people, but none of them were heroin dealers, so I guess I'm doing well there. Yeah. Forget it, Jake. It's third period English. <laughs> yes. Five stars. Five stars. I have no that, notes. That would have been an amazing like last line or something. If like I don't know, like he's get he's coming out of that confrontation or whatever. They're like, forget it, Brendan. It's third period English. And <laughs> I love that. I do like the last line of this movie. I do too. Mm-hmm. Where the hell are the parents? <laughs> Look, the only person with a parent is 26, and he's, he's like the kingpin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen, it's not important. You don't ask that question. You just go along for the ride. You don't ask that question in uh, it, right? Like, there's only one one parent in that story as well. Well, that's just because they're latchkey kids. That was a Gen X. Thing. It's like they was like, oh yeah, well, yeah. parents are nowhere to be found. You know. I, I feel like I wouldn't have asked the question except that at one point uh, on the phone, Brain is like, oh, did they call your parents? And then that's the moment that made me realize, like, oh, shit, like, yeah, where the yeah. fuck are his parents? Like, I just assumed he was a, a, a like, vagrant kid, I guess. I don't know. This could be. <laughs> like, but it's like, it's like wall. what JGL says, where it's like, the, it's not, th- that stuff is not there to be, like, this is a representation of reality. Like the film is trying to be stylistic and and you know theatrical and and all of those things. So if yeah, you take that, Kelly Cross, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> take a shot every time Joseph Gordon-Levitt gets beaten. Oh, you'll be hammered yeah, by the end of the for reals. <laughs> yeah. Well, you won't make it to the end, <laughs> guaranteed. Much like uh, much like Dode, you're you're. You know, head will blow off. <laughs> Upon rewatching, I was thinking that every woman in the movie is either dumb or manipulative or both. But then I realized that everyone in this movie is either dumb or manipulative or both. So that's fine then. Well, their their brains aren't fully developed. They're kids. I think this person is is well. He gave it five stars. Bethy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, also five stars, yeah. <laughs> I think this person is maybe misunderstanding the concept of the femme fatale, but that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's there's a there's, there's a a time period of like extremely liberal, like uh, you know, I'm gonna do a feminist read of every single movie that I've ever seen, and like that's gonna be my thing. And I, I feel like doing that at some point gets exhausting. Number one, for everybody, yeah. whoever's reading your stuff and whoever, but like at the same time it kind of misses the point of a lot of the stuff like oh let me yeah. figure out why this is problematic and it's like you don't have to just fucking enjoy it yeah. it's it's also bad for feminism for the record to do Agreed. that Agreed. carly <laughs> is but though a, a self uh, professed bad woman uh so you know take what she says on that regard with the yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> joseph gordon levitt gets punched in the face at least 30 times in this film and it's still not enough <laughs> <laughs> that person harsh. gets points. Harsh. That's funny. Harsh. Again, he's got weird vibes, bad vibes now. But yeah, in this movie though, I'd say he has bad vibes too. Like 
His he vibe does. is not. Yeah, I mean, I'm perfect. He's like, not chill. He's not a chill dude in this movie. Very Whoa. unchill dude. Yes. Maybe that's maybe that's uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt transformed into his character from this yeah. movie. Yeah, I mean, he does hide a body. He like, uh, you know, right? Who would say? say where the body's hidden? Right. He, obstru he obstructs a police investigation. Yeah, at the end. So. But but like, where did he put it before then? He didn't have access. He's, to he's been keeping it somewhere. It's like <laughs> on <laughs> ice, presumably, because she wasn't rotting. He put it in his absentee mom's room. Probably. <laughs> Air conditioning on full blast. Who doesn't love a good shootout in their mom's basement? <laughs> Yo, but you have to realize, like, that's really where the shootout happens. Like, it's, it's crazy. Legit. It is actually where the shootout happens. No, and it's, it's a classic more trope of, uh, you know, shootouts in mom's basement. But it's a rumpus room, you know, like yes. amazing. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and and it's well, I guess I guess at the end they're at uh they're at the pin's house. But I was gonna say if it's like Tugger's house, like uh like that's I mean that probably happens all the fucking time. Like he probably beats somebody to death in his fucking parents' house like once a week. Like <laughs> that's yeah, not he's also got a gun, that. so I feel like he's you know he's wont to do all types of violence at the drop of a hat. Gonna internalize this style of talking until it becomes incomprehensible to everyone around me. <laughs> I will just say again, initially I was like, haha, this is funny. And then like, you know, after maybe like 20 minutes of it, I was like, okay, I'm super into this. And you I, also yeah. can't deny that like the writing is really good. Like it's it really good, good noir writing. Yeah, I, I actually really dig it. And it, it, it feels way more natural somehow than like most David Mamet stuff. And I say that as a fan of David Mamet. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, totally. Sure. When he's sitting across the table from from the pin and and Brendan is saying like, you know, Tug's got to go. And he says, the ape blows or I clam. Right. That's like one, of my, one of my favorite lines. It's so good. Okay. <laughs> well, especially goes, considering so the context. The context of like that table is amazing. Yes, and then he waves a friggin' rooster like milk pitcher at him. Like it's so good. It's it's excellent. Brilliant that, that, filmmaking. That final speech uh where he like confronts her and like you realize like, oh, like the whole time he's been like building a case for himself that it really was um that it really was uh, Laura that, that did everything. And he's like, um, he's like, uh, wait, meanwhile, you're getting bored or maybe just greedy. But when the pin score is big with the bricks, you take your shot, you hook one, take half, cut it back to size, but you can't, but you cut it back bad. That's, that's taken right out of a Dashiell Hammett, like, uh, you totally. know, either Sam Spade or, or yeah. You know, yeah. Maltese Falcon, I guess, but like, um, or, or even like the continental op stuff. Like I've heard yes. a little bit of Dashiell Hammett. Like that's a very uh, Hammett-esque, I think. A very Maltese Falcon uh, speech, I think, at the end there. I just it's wish he really told somebody, well done. Uh, I just wish he told somebody's wife to shut up, like uh, <laughs> my camera does. Well, that's that's Mickey Spillane. Uh, Dashiell yeah. Hammett's the guy that wrote uh, Maltese Falcon. No, and, I know, I know. Yeah. I just that just love you know. I miss I miss uh, my camera. You know, Mickey Spillane's Joe Biden. Yeah, Mickey Spillane, Joe Biden. <laughs> I forgot about that till you mentioned it the other day. Yeah. Literally, how can someone look that good with those stupid fucking glasses on? <laughs> Ask the uh, guy that interviewed him. He's certainly yeah, apparently that guy too. About it. It's his, it's his oh, yeah. raw sexuality from the violence and from the laying down in beds. <laughs> and the glasses. I don't <laughs> inherent vice principle. <laughs> okay, that one's that one's pretty good. <laughs> 
Wow. If Brick was made today, there would definitely be a character who vaped. <laughs> yes. yes. Multiple. I mean, that's that's funny. That's we just saw the picture of uh, Lucas Haas vaping, too. So probably Right. It's a Brick 15 years later. Anyway, those are the Letterboxd one-liners for the movie Brick. Follow the show, Moving Extravaganza, on Letterboxd. That's Forrest over there. I, of course, am Kona Neutron. You can follow me as well. Uh J. Andrew World, also on Letterboxd, watching all the obscurest stuff that you would come to love and expect from the guy that name checks Blade's dad. Uh, and Aaron is also uh, on Letterboxd these days, uh, logging stuff, which is a Hit Factory pod, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, yes, you can find me at Hit Factory pod. That's correct. I am not on Letterboxd. Car Carly <laughs> not, is not. Not yet. Yeah. Though, I am, but it's just for me. Yeah. I don't talk about it. It's good Secret just for the watch list function. It is. Like, sure. yep. You don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Right. The first rule of Letterboxd. <laughs> well, we definitely are violating the first Everybody letterbox. talks about letterbox. Well, that's that's yeah. why they don't that's why they don't uh retweet our videos. They just like they it. Keep violating right? the first rule. Yeah. <laughs> Change your world. Take it away with the plugs. All right. If you're watching us right now on Twitch and you can subscribe. Um, if you uh, happen to have an Amazon Prime account, you can subscribe for free, and that really helps us out a lot. So, you know, thank you. Um, you're watching us over on YouTube. Do the YouTube things. Like, subscribe, comment, um, hit the bell, and uh, watch the video to the end. This is a big ask, but you know what? Like, if you watch the video to the end, you get to hear a great Conan Neutron song, and you can pretend it's tub thumping this time. <laughs> yeah, it's no yes. tub thumping, but it's... Uh... No, but, but it still slaps. But there's more flute than tub thumping, but yeah. Correct. <laughs> I'm in. Right on. Yes. Um, we have a podcast. Uh, I don't know where you get your podcasts from, uh, but please, you know, find us where you get your podcast and uh, like us, review us, rate us, do those podcast things because that, you know, that helps out and you don't have to give us money. But you know what? If you want to give us money, we will take it because we have a Patreon. Um, go over to our Patreon. Um, you will have access to the after party forever. After party forever. forever. After party forever. It's harder without Christina here. <laughs> I know. She built that thing out. Yeah, yeah. And then Forrest wasn't here to, to sing too. He's like coming back quickly. Yeah, I did. He's like, I gotta get back for after party forever. <laughs> yep. Um I missed the song. It slaps so much. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh Conan normally does protonic reversal. Um on Thursday, but we're skipping it this week, which is a great yep. chance to go back and listen to a classic uh, Protonic episode. I'm going to recommend tonight that you check out the uh, episode um, uh, with uh, Chris Murphy, who has uh, also been on the oh, show. Yeah. So, so he's a, there's two yeah. episodes uh, of Chris Murphy from Sloan. So go back, check that out. You know, great flashback thing. So uh, for for people, uh, you know, to, to, to if you need your Conan Neutron um protonic <laughs> reversal fix that's a great uh, one to go for um and uh D dangerous nomenclature is out if oh, you yeah. want to get a copy uh you can find that on um i forgot to write that down and i just blanked on what you it's can called. find it on yeah. nowhere near my desk i was gonna pick yes it up and show it, but <laughs> it's nowhere near here yeah no but you, you can find Bandcamp, it on Bandcamp. Yeah. get your own copy of it and uh digital or an actual physical copy uh and uh records are available now the uh vinyl uh, they're available for pre-order. Let's not get ahead for of ourselves. For pre-order. Okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you can also support uh, Protonic Reversal's uh, Patreon. Uh, and, of course, I was just about to get to this, Catterwall, um, which is the big thing coming up this uh, this weekend, uh, which which is why we're not having a new Protonic Reversal. 
Um, Why we did like three shows in the space of like four days or something like that too. (laughs) Thanks for for accommodating me. And we have uh, 56 subscribers on it right now. If we get to 100, um, Conan said he's going to uh, stream it on there. So please go on over there. Follow the ch- um, follow it anyways, because, you know, who knows? There, there might be uh, good stuff throughout the year, I imagine. Yeah, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I, I'm just trying to live to Tuesday, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> you, you got this. You got Tuesday oh, yeah. in the bag, Conan. And that's when we close out uh, Movie Noir Extravaganza, too, with Under the Silver Lake is uh, last nice. day of the month. So. And, and Fargo back-to-back. Back. And Fargo back-to-back, back, that's right. Yeah. Anyway. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please check out uh, Aaron and Carly's uh, hit. Not the plugs. Uh, Nobody enjoys that. But if you enjoy no. the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, please hit, uh, you know, find their podcast uh, wherever podcasts are available. Um, check out their episodes. I did listen to the um, uh, to, to your Blair Witch Project episode after we talked. Oh, um, and, and that was really fun. I, I'm, I'm actually somewhat so. I'm, I'm a somewhat regular listener. Like I, I, I subscribe. Conan. Wow, Conan. Oh, <laughs> big reveal here. That on the makes podcast. me really happy. I love it. That's awesome. There's only Thank about you. four or five movie shows I like, by the way, and that's it's been. And we apparently are on a quest to have all of them on this show as featured guests. <laughs> oh. so. You know, it's funny. You're you're Deeply now honored. You're now like our second, maybe third uh, friend and and uh, listener now who has said, "I don't listen to movie podcasts. Yours is pretty good, though." So apparently, yeah. uh, our audience is people who. Uh, don't like movie podcasts so if you don't like them check us out i guess and you enjoy hearing me scream for a full hour and a half because that's usually what i'm doing if you two don't like movie podcasts subscribe to their movie podcast (laughs) that's a great and our movie you know their movie podcast our movie podcast we have a whole this is tons of movie podcasts and they're all you know things that you might hate because you don't like movie they're all trash <laughs> it's all linked together people it's one big conspiracy but you can also follow um hit factory pod on twitter and that is uh that is aaron and carly mm-hmm. is on twitter's if in theory um in theory, in theory theoretically I'm, yeah. yeah i'm taking a break but what i like to say often is that i don't talk about anything important except for like mariah carey and that's about it like don't come to me for movie takes no, i won't but have come, that come- Come for the Mariah Carey uh, takes and, and, you know, if that's what you want. Yeah, that's what you want. <laughs> the last, wow, cl- wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, the writer of the last Christmas song ever written. Right. Look, that's an unusual amount of disdain. Let's not go. Well, I mean, you know, I, at some point it does get tiring to hear that, that song. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no, no, it's oh, yeah. during the Christmas season. Yes. I keep it like exclusively to December. It does not bleed into other months because <laughs> it's, it's too it's potent. I, I will harm mitigation. Though, somebody yes. wrote this article as Mariah Carey saying that I wrote the last Christmas song ever and you should be proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it is an amazing article or I, I might get the title wrong but it, it's something Turn that like off that, and right? read that article yes i mean um, it is an incredible feat i know we're di- we're digressing here but it really is truly, like to have yeah. a, a an actual christmas song that came in the last like 25 years is, and that's is original kind of a and a classic yeah Correct. by the way are you guys She's gonna great. hop on for the uh after party for a little bit um we we end up doing like uh yeah we do like a, an hour like maybe maybe an hour just, maybe a little bit less than just hanging out and like it's believe it or not it's more off topic than the regular show yeah oh boy <laughs> yeah shocking uh, 
I, I know we've got a, a couple of animals whose survival is contingent on us uh, uh, giving them some things. So we, we might have to depart, uh, unfortunately. But uh, And it's also dinner time in California, <laughs> so we need yeah, to eat. We have to feed ourselves. We have to feed animals um, and let at least one of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do, do the thing that animals let, do. Let the thing least, animals do after. Let, the yeah, I was gonna say let at least one of them out. Jesus. We do. We have a dog. Let at least, let, let at least one of them run away. Just when like, we're when we're taking care of the dog, we all get to poop outside. So it's quite a treat. Quite a treat. No, right. I, between between this show and then the after party show, I have to take my dog out actually too. But um, she she is now she now plans for it. She's like ready to, to oh, go outside good. when around the time the show ends. That's um, it's, it's weirdly when we start singing after party forever. I just <laughs> that's, that's her cue. It's her um, Pavlovian aww. response now. Exactly. Like, oh. But uh <laughs> but uh, I guess starting with uh with Carly, um like final thoughts, anything you want to summarize uh this movie, you know, or or since it's your first first time, I guess having watched it, anything uh stick out to you that we didn't get to? Uh no, I will just say again that um, much like, you know, begrudgingly listening to movie podcasts when you don't like them. This was a movie that I was like purely set up to hate and I absolutely loved it. And I think that um, very rarely I watch things these days and I'm like moved by them and challenged by them and also like intoxicated you know, by them. And I felt all of those things watching this. And I think that in and of itself is, makes it definitely worth your time. Yeah. That's nice. what I've got to say about that. I, I, I agree with that. Um, Aaron. Yeah. Um, I will, I was gonna say, I'll echo Carly's sentiments. Not quite. Don't do that. Uh, you know, if you have not seen the film, uh, or if you haven't seen it in a while and have, some sort of uh, expectations of what it is or, or a, a memory that's less than fond of it. You are in good company. As I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, I turned this film on a few days ago and started watching it, convinced that I was going to hate it, just like I had the first two times I watched it. Uh, and for whatever reason, it's, uh, it's magic worked on me. And I am now a fan of Ryan Johnson's Brick, uh, as uh, inconsistent a filmmaker as I think he is maybe sometimes <laughs> outside of this one. I think that it is a uh, astonishingly assured debut film. I think it's very uh, smart, very entertaining, uh, very ambitious stylistically. Go watch it if you haven't. Um, and if you have, go and, and watch it again every single day for the rest of your life uh, <laughs> until you expire. Or until the back, like your brains come out the back of your head, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, precisely. <Yes. laughs> um, yeah, dude, I, I, that, that shot though, I can't stop thinking about it. Like, it's, it's just pretty such a, yeah. They, they yes. pull, they, they pull out of the thing, and then you just see him with the gun, and the, like, you just see the brains just fly out of the back of his head. It's like a crazy. And smoke, yeah. literally yeah. smoke coming from the, the practical effects in that shot are incredible. Yeah, I wish someone had asked Ryan Johnson about it because I kind of 
would want to know how he did it. Well, um, we'll have to too get him too on busy asking how uh, George <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt lays down, apparently. <laughs> Instead, we we spent like 20 minutes talking about Joseph Gordon-Levitt being in yeah. beds. Film yeah. film journalists can't be trusted to ask interesting questions yeah. about anything. Sorry to all of our friends who are film journalists. We love you. You're great. Yeah. We didn't mean you. They also sorry, can't sorry, be trusted apparently to hold a microphone to the person and like figure that out, which I, I which I've done, which I've done, like interviewed people that way, and it is like you start to you don't know whether to give them the microphone or not, and then your arm starts to get tired, and you're like, can you just fucking take this, like? <laughs> so Aaron, what I always say when I say something like that is, I I, I pull the Rodney Dangerfield from Caddyshack, and I go, oh, looks good on you though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good that's a good halo. I well like done. that. Well done. All right, Conan, let's hear it. You picked this movie. This is the one I, I did. I did pick this movie. You're you're the only one of the three of us that saw it before. Which so, is yeah. shocking to me. I, I felt like this was this was a pretty big movie in, in, in my world. And just because of its un, the uniqueness and tone of it, uh, the time period, and you know, the fact that it, it is indeed a good film. As already at the time, I was already a fan of or becoming a fan, I should say, of Ordinar movies and kind of knew most of the touchstones. So I was like, wow, it's cool how they're honoring all of these earlier films and these like things, these tropes, these like, you know, visuals, uh, but also kind of doing something new with it. And there's some genuinely uh, amazing scenes in here. Like, uh, like even like we didn't talk about like the tunnel when he, he first discovers her body and you just hear the noise and he, he's like, Oh my God, there's someone there and he books after him. That's yes. an awesome scene. And that's up yeah. there with like, look, we already referenced the third man once, but it's like that, that's like just the, the, the subtlety of like little noises and things like that, you know, the Foley mm -hmm. and, and having that Looney Tunes, like cartoonishness, but also like the just insane brutality of actual violence mm -hmm. and have these huge stakes be, these are kids, these are kids. And you get a little bit of both and it doesn't do the, like the, where it loses me with that kind of thing with other movies is when it's kind of like, Oh, it's two small stakes. It's kind of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, ironic. And there's nothing wink, wink, nudge, nudge about this. And that's what I like it is. It's it's just completely deadly serious movie about the things that it's about. And uh, I, I think it's fantastic. I actually like it better. I think now than when I originally saw it. Mm. And what I love is that for this month, movie noir extravaganza, if you haven't uh, taken, if you haven't listened to or watched the other episodes, you should go back to them because it has been a study of watching this genre develop. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this is after LA Confidential, which is sort of like the modernist version of uh, classic noir, then you have what can convincingly be called neo-noir, which is this that manages to do the noir thing, but do so in a way that's very self-aware without being overtly self-aware. And that's why I think it's an awesome movie. I would say Memento similarly, I think. Uh, kind I of, agreed. Yeah. yeah. But Except for in that case, as we mentioned, first. I know, I know, I know I've been averse to using the term neo-noir throughout this. Entire well, I just, I just think it's a boring conversation, frankly. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, in Memento, like, you know, the unreliable narrator, he himself is the story as well as, uh, as the unreliable narrator. And that's, mm -hmm. that's the function that that served to like add something new to the genre. Uh, I also just get annoyed and maybe it's coming from the fact that I'm a musician and you hear people upend like, oh, it's post rock or post punk and this and that. It's like, well, those genres can still develop and change. And I, I actually, and I firmly do believe that noir can develop and change. And that's another one of the reasons why I'm probably a tiresome person to talk to about that. <laughs> but uh, all the movies that we have that are the ones in the last like 25, 30 years, I think they all do something kind of interesting. You know, like we talked about LA confidential this weekend about how like, it's just low key, the most ACAB 
<laughs> movie you could ever find because yes. all the cops indeed are bastards. <laughs> yeah, like I love that. Time. Not at all what James Elroy was trying for at all, but like you know, it, <laughs> no. it's very real. <laughs> but it's great. Uh, but yeah, like, these cops are getting too many entitlements. I need to. Yeah. <laughs> I, need to <laughs> I totally agree, Conan. I think that's well, thank you very much, Carly. beautifully put. Thank you. That's it. All right. Um, Jay Andrew, most likely to noir world. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I got to say, um, when, when I first was like pitched this uh, as, uh, you know, hearing like it's supposed to be like noir dialogue set in high school. All I can well, picture is, uh, yeah, yeah, Romeo <laughs> plus Juliet. Like, no, like that's yeah. all I can think of. Um, yeah. Sounds Which like is, you mean the, the amazing film as, Baz uh, Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but but that's that's all I was imagining, and I'm just like, oh, is this this is? But but like it's it's uh you know actually kind of uh it, you know it is a good film. It, it's you know it tells an, an interesting story and has like the stakes just right because like you know somebody in high school would be that obsessed with his ex. Um, yeah. so, so somebody uh in high school would you know like you know you would completely ignore your parents uh like that um pretend that they didn't exist i know my children do that to me now (laughs) (laughs) um yes hopefully they're not out you know murdering people and stuff Um, (laughs) here's open yeah (laughs) but uh no it's it's uh it definitely like caught me by surprise like how actually good this movie was um because like on paper like, you know, it doesn't sound that great. I'm not going to pretend I'm a big Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan, um, you know, but but he's usually fine at a lot of stuff, you know. Um, but uh, this is this is a great The feedback every actor craves. He's usually <laughs> fine at a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't trip over the furniture. It's all right. Whatever. <laughs> he, he knows his lines. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it just... Um... I didn't hate him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, but like, you know, um, uh, usually uh, like, like, I, I mean, I, like I said, I just rewatched Looper, which, which is one of his better films, definitely. And, um, that bicycle movie, which I already forgot the name of, cause it's so stupid. Premium um, Rush. Premium Rush. Yeah. Uh, which really isn't a good movie, but, uh, honestly, like he has this, this, um, you know, charisma that I've not really seen too many times before. And, you know, like I said, also like Michael, um, well, I forgot his co-star. The good actor he co-stars with in that movie uh, as the villain. Michael Shannon. Yes. There we go. Zod. Um, <laughs> but but anyways, yeah, no, no. So so I was I was honestly not looking forward to this movie. And I'm glad uh, I, I've, uh, you know, been introduced to it because, like I said, I missed it when it came out. Um, I think around this time, the, the movie I was most excited about would have been uh, Mirror Mask. Um <laughs> Well, you're a guy. <laughs> I want to say my Michael, my Michael Shannon take is that uh, as good of an actor as he is, I think he put so much into. We just mentioned Michael Shannon. Is he just put so much into? No, that no. I'm, I'm, Mirror Mask is the one that I'm, I'm like. Oh. What? Yeah, that one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. yeah right I, I mean, well, well. Um. Uh. Visually, like, first of all, it's it's kind of stunning. Um. Here we go. All right. And, and I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Dave McKeon's artwork, so <laughs> like, it makes there sense. You, you know, it makes perfect sense. While I was excited about that. Yeah. Let, let I, want, I want to I want to say the the Michael Shannon thing is he put so much into uh, Boardwalk Empire that like I can never see him as anything else except for uh, that fucking deeply weird uh, like like 
I guess sexually, deeply sexually, uh, like starved and and strange, like a uh, fucking cop that he plays in that. Well, well, I, thought you, I thought you were gonna say Kangaroo Jack. But... <laughs> <laughs> his signature role, really. That's right. <laughs> no, he's it, Boardwalk. His character in a Boardwalk Empire is amazing. It's, it's yeah. It's it's, it's it's very. There's a lot of layers to that uh, onion. <laughs> repressed that was what i was looking for like repressed uh straight straight like the one straight laced person in the entire show that just ends up being a fucking psychopath like was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which uh i don't think he's ever done anything with ryan johnson which uh you know is a shame because i think i think ryan johnson could write a really good character for him movie to extravaganza matchmaker matchmaker make me a match <laughs> yeah let's 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 do Let's this. Go. Let's go. Fancast. I want it on my desk by Monday morning. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah. So I, I need to tell everyone the after party in about 10 minutes. Uh, we're going to jump in on that. Um, you know, I, I gave it the best name I think of giving any after party, which is uh, I, um, got a brick. Want a party? That's my after party. Name. That's good. <laughs> good That's good, good. That's good. That should be your one liner on Letterboxd. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you know, my final, my final quote of the night, I guess, is, uh, you're going to make me curious being so curious. <laughs>